We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you to start the week before the week when the NBA just breaks itself in half as it does every year because there's craziness and buffoonery and tomfoolery and any other word that you want to think of to describe draft week, free agency week, um, everything that is coming our way. We are almost there. We are on the precipice. Um, and uh, to help us navigate the waters that are getting ever so choppy, my co-host extraordinaire, the one and only, the man who laughs at all my stupid jokes, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, John. They're not stupid to me, and if they are, I make equally stupid jokes back, so I appreciate um, that you laugh at mine. It works out. Well, your jokes are funny. I don't know what my too. jokes are. My, I have more dad humor because I'm a dad. So it's- sure. Actually, I am a dad. Now I I got a plant baby, so I'm a plant dad. So I you know I was thinking about this, but all of those long nights and and struggles and and the joy like there's a, there's a before and an after, like I don't like life before the plant was that was in the past, and now yeah. my baby is just it's beautiful. When you run out um, at. 9 30 at night on a what was it a friday or saturday to go find the correct size diapers uh for your plant mm-hmm. let me know i will sure please do that would be that would be great um, i would appreciate that um so okay let's set this week up um we did what we thought well we did what we thought was our final cap no cap not one but two weeks ago i don't remember who that was that's how was that dame I think that was Dave. It was Dave. Okay. Or maybe, hold on. Wait, no, I think, I think was that, no, yes. That was, we were, were we always going to end with, I think at some point we were like, let's do three of these. Then we added Dame. Then we added Chris Paul. And now we're adding yet another cap, but no cap. But when we decided to add this, it was before Friday, which the, I don't, did the world blow up on Friday? I don't know. How do you, let's, let's, before we get to our final no, cab, no cab, which for everybody who doesn't know is going to be Colin Sexton, um, who's still in the news very much. Um, do you have any thoughts on the Dame 
stuff from Friday? It's pretty much the same as everything before. I mean, I thought that he pretty much just didn't want to make the story about going to the Olympics about him. Okay. And I think that he did a know, great he, job. <laughs> he really did. He absolutely did. But <laughs> no attention whatsoever. But he, I mean, he's smart in that like this, everything that's going around with the investigation and the investigator and how it's unraveling even more, it just puts more pressure on the Blazers and it makes we him should, look great in comparison. We should say, so for anybody who doesn't know, I don't even know where to begin. We don't have to talk about this for a lot. The play, the after they hired uh, Chauncey Billups, Neil O'Shea gave a press conference in which he was asked very pointedly about the team's process in hiring Billups in light of um, allegations that were made against him of uh, improper sexual conduct. And there was a civil suit and it was settled the whole thing 20 plus years ago. And he essentially said, go bark up a tree. We did our investigation. And um, apparently that is not the case. Um, yeah, so that's unraveling. And now Dame is sitting here and he's basically like, um, I mean, I don't know. What is Dame's position? His position is like, I'm a, I'm a blazer and I want to win a championship. And, um, but him saying, you know, like a coach isn't going to fix this essentially. Oh yeah. Paraphrasing here, but that, like no, that he's, no, that's, loud clear. that's literally what he said. <laughs> he said Billups can help, yeah. but he's not going to fix it. I mean, he said he's not with, not with this roster. So, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, he's, he's, he's good. He is. This is not his first rodeo. He knows. I, I was it fair to say he knows exactly what he's doing. He does. And I, you know, he's leaking things to Chris Haynes and other people and it's setting the stage. And then he basically gets to say, Oh, well, I heard these rumors and reports and I can, I don't know where they're coming from. I can confront them. And, and then that way it's still like the thought of him leaving seeps in. And now, you know, he's kind of nurturing that what happens if he goes, Oh, he doesn't want to leave, but then it's still there. And you see more and more reports and yep. like oh, Henry Abbott, isn't the type of person who broke this past week that yep. Dame would be requesting a trade. He's not an ambulance chaser. He's nope. someone who is very much in the know and wouldn't just say it. So I believe it. I, it also doesn't mean Dame is going anywhere. I'd still be surprised if he did. Of course, the Blazers, you know, they could keep him. We saw what happened in Houston. Yep. But other than that, I mean, the song remains the same for, for right now. Just very two quick thoughts before we get to Sexton. Um, one, uh, maybe this means nothing, but like, you know, for anybody who's like, oh, Abbott was putting this out there to try to get people to subscribe to his uh, True Hoop newsletter, which is a, a, a paid newsletter. Um, he did put it in the free version of the newsletter. So it's not like he put something and hinted at it and like pay here to see the rest of the story. Like everybody can read this. So I, I don't know. Maybe that makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't to your opinion of, of the story. That's number one. Number two. And the thing that I can't quite shake is if a player who is like supposed to be the undisputed leader of a team comes out and says my team's not good enough. Like he didn't call anybody out specifically, but if you're, if you have to go into that locker room, like, isn't it in the back of your mind? Like, oh, I wonder if he's talking about me, you know, like, that's not, you don't want to hear that. If I, if, when, you know, if you see me next week, say like, you know, as a podcast where we're, we're fine, but just, you know, as currently constructed, we're not reaching our full potential. Jeremy, you might have some concerns in the back of your mind. If I said that. I might. And then I would also point to the six cap or no caps and be like, John, look in the mirror, buddy. But yes, I agree. And, and it's so the you're the one thing- saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
the people I'm CJ. all come for my cap or no cap, and that's it, right? Yeah. Call me, no. call me, C, my, that's my new nickname. I am CJ McCollum, <laughs> or or perhaps Robert Covington. Maybe maybe Andrew's CJ, and I'm I don't know, maybe I'm Cant. Oh my God, please don't make me Cantor. All right, well. Listen, Nurkic, basically what I'm saying here is I, I think the, the big thing there is, yeah, this also is a side to Dame that we really haven't seen before because yeah. it's this mindset of, oh, Dame is so beloved. He doesn't want to do a super team. He's loyal. But, uh, you know, loyalty comes to an end at a certain point. You have to make things move. And yeah. the most frustrating part of all of this is, you know, the guys that we've been talking about as well, uh, Lillard and Beal, both could have been free agents this summer. And things would have been so much easier for us to have some sort of conversation, but they resigned and that was their prerogative. And that's, that's fine. It's just, it's unfortunate how loyalty then can, I I can't blame these guys for staying loyal to their teams by any stretch. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate that, Oh, they didn't build around them and they're under contract and they have a say, but they don't have the final say necessarily. They have a ton of leverage, but but at the end of the day, you know, like these teams don't have to trade them. I could see the pressure mounting for a team yeah. like Portland, but it's just um, it would have been easier if there were no strings attached, period. But here we um, are. That's an interesting lead in to our conversation today about Colin Sexton, um, because, you know, not to not to put the cart before the horse, but. One of the things we're going to talk about today with Sexton is the the nature of his contract situation. Um how much money he's going to get uh, for how many years he's going to get that. And I, it's just, it's interesting to me that um, for me, at least that's a big part of the Sexton debate. And at the same time, um, I wonder with, as you just said, with Beal and Lillard, the fact that they had no qualms about signing for additional years. I wonder if what happens with Lillard this summer colors, how we view um, how big of a deal it is to sign players to contracts at the expense of cap space. There was a lot of words there, but just to the extent of like, again, and I've, I've been talking about this, you know, a lot, but like not is free agency dead. That's a little bit, that's a bit much, but like, do these players just feel at this point, like I'm just going to get my bag. And when I want out, I'm just going to get out. So if you're a team like the Knicks, does it make perhaps even more sense as opposed to having the cap space to be like, no, we have this, this tradable player on this tradable contract instead. Um, but we'll get into that in a sec. So on that note, um, shall we, shall we dance? We shall. And, you know, I mean, just like any uh, kind of movie company or organization, whatever, like, we had to have six, right? It's either three or six if you're going with sequels. So yeah. one the trilogy. Six. Yeah, you need the second trilogy. We'll be like Star Wars, but then not like Star Wars going through seven, eight, and nine. So there won't well, be no, those. this would this would be what was the third? What was the episode three? The, was that the episode three? Was I think one of the worst ones? I mean, you could say that about probably any of the first three. Is in like one, two, three, not yeah, no, the I, ones from four. Well, because this would be episode this is the sixth one we're doing so this would be episode three so this is the anakin uh oh ewan mcgregor fight at the end i quite enjoyed that fight when his legs burned off that was fun for me anyway true although it's interesting that we'll have uh talking about a youngster when anakin kills all of the youngsters in that one I, so th- i think anakin is actually anakin's a really good analog for colin sexton 
because I could see him coming here and and killing off um, all of our young and um, cutting his own legs off in the process. Didn't Anakin also have like a rat tail thing going on? I feel like he did. I can't remember. There has to like be he, a, there has to yeah. be another name for that. There has is that a, is that the name? Uh, no, I, I believe it is. So. Well, it, it, it is, okay. <laughs> Without further ado, I did see that he actually, he changed his hair. Saxon changed his oh, hair. Oh, did he? So okay. He did. Yeah. Okay. So no but, more, uh, no more tail rat or otherwise. Uh, I don't think so, but I haven't seen the back of his head, so I can't be just answering Andrew, question. I hope Andrew puts the, put the part of the video in the YouTube about with him, just put his head in his hands right now. Cause it's yeah. just, it's, it's great. It's, it's good glorious. Stuff. Anyways, uh, without further ado, let's talk about Colin Sexton. So, uh, oh boy. Yes. John, I don't know if you ever saw Bo Burnham inside. I haven't yet. I haven't, I haven't taken the time. All right, well, there's a song called sexting. So sexton, it isn't sex. It's the next best thing. You know, that's whatever. That's, I, I would, I would argue that. Well, okay. Now, you know what? We're, we're, it was I'm, this or sexton the city, but I don't know. One of them. Oh, see, that's going to be the post headline. Well, all right. Well, 100% that's going to be the post. I would wager any amount of money right now. Though. Anyway. Perfect. All right. So, Colin Sexton, I, I, I got to be honest. For a lot of what we were talking about and beforehand, I did more research. And it's the sort of thing where I, I did a bit of a 180. So, before I was more out on him. And now I was kind of reviewing it and thinking about it this past week. And I don't see a whole lot of downside. But I'd love to know, John, okay. because... I've read your newsletters and I've listened to yeah. your guys' uh, YouTube and, and podcast and uh, the green room. Where presently do you stand right now with Colin Sexton? Oh boy. Um, I, I stand that I, tr- this is going to be such a cop out. I trust the front office. Um, no, cop-outs. no, no, no. I just want right now. Yes. Or no, if based it, on that package that was laid out. Based on, o, o, so let's case. OB-19 and, and Knox? Yes. That's the yes package? No. Gun to your head. No. Okay. No, but it's... Why is it no? I'm just curious. What is the biggest no be- reason why it's a no? It's no because I don't think Colin Sexton is ever going to be good enough to run an offense. And we have yet to, and I also don't think he's ever going to be good enough off the ball to justify his existence as a non primary on a team. I, and yet, and yet I hesitated so much because it's like, um, I feel like the reason I say no is, um, oh my God, I'm going to be a bad Christian here. Um, where they split the baby. What's that story? That's Old Testament though, right? Yeah, I think it is actually. Well, okay. That is the story of Solomon where he was brought a baby and one woman said, that's my baby. And the other woman said, that's my baby. And he said, all right, I will split the baby. And it was the one woman that decided, no, split me instead that he was like, oh, that's definitely your baby. Okay. So thank you, I, th- 17 thank you, years of Bible school finally coming to get you. Well, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, thank you, King <laughs> Solomon. Um, because I, I feel like it's, it's, I, I don't know that we've seen a player uh, or a team successfully split the baby with a player who isn't quite good enough to be on the ball all the time. And a player who isn't quite good enough to be off the ball all the time. And yet 
I hesitated in saying no because I just I wonder if maybe they could do it with Sexton. So that's why I really am on the fence. Um, but yet I will I will say at the end, um, I trust the Knicks because if they make the deal, um, one, it says a lot to me about what they really think about Obi Toppin. Um, number one and two, um, it says to me that they know a little bit of, of something about what type of contract Colin Sexton is going to agree to um, as an extension. So that's my answer. Okay. Before we dive in, I just want to break it down a little bit more. So those three components, right? I think I'm, we're in agreement that Kevin Knox is not something that you're getting hung up on in this deal, right? Sorry to anyone listening from the Knox family, but no, I am not. Okay. Hung up so on it's Knox. Obi and the 19th pick. Yeah. So let's start with the 19th pick. Yeah. How confident are you in what that 19th pick turns out to be? Not very confident, only because I just did a whole I, deep yes, dive did. on it this week. Exactly. So, like really, any, yeah, like any lawyer, as you know, you don't ask the questions that you yeah. don't know the answers to. Yeah. So yes, uh, okay. So we got Knox, we got 19. So really, this comes down to Obadiah, and and I guess for the remaining hope of that 19th pick doing well. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, well, hold on. I just I will want to do, say very quickly that you can draft a good player at 19. It, you know, it's, sure. the odds aren't necessarily good. You know, you got roughly like a one in three shot of finding a guy who's going to help you. But in terms of finding someone who's actually going to make a difference like one way or the other. But again, good NBA organizations, I feel like th- they don't try to put up the whole wall at once. They try to put one brick at a time. So it's. Yeah. OK, so Obadiah. Obadiah. Yeah. Do you see Obi playing significant minutes at the five or with Randall? I don't know what you mean by significant, um, counselor. Do you see them playing together more than they did? <laughs> yes, I do. Significantly, though. So the point where Obi is now logging, say, 18 to 20 minutes a game. See this, is, but again, this is impossible. If they trade him, I think it's a sign that no, they do not foresee. Of course, that. but I'm saying if he were to stay for you know the idea of if, if Sexton didn't materialize and you have yeah. Obi still on the team, and I'm assuming you're keeping Randall because he's the best I, player. I think they would figure out a way to get him 20 minutes a game. Okay, which would mean about eight minutes a game with Randall, which is would be a significant upgrade. So I guess the answer to your question is yes. Okay, because I'm just thinking that. If they're playing eight minutes a game together compared to the basically zero on average zero that they played, that is a huge jump. It's four Especially minutes for a guy. It's it is. But then what are you giving up in terms of rim protection? How are you able to maximize everything you want to do? And I that's think- kind of that's kind of where I'm at in terms of the whole thing where it's consolidating all of these these pieces where, you know, I'm, ultimately, what do you see OB ceiling as? Well, hold on. Ultimately, I see Obi. I, I, that's but see, but that's that's my big worry where Obi's concerned because I don't think we know the answer to that question yet. Right. I don't think we know what Obi's ceiling is. But I will just, in fairness, let me just say this: um, the if you're going to survive minutes with Obi and Randall as your two, as your four and your five, you're you're best served probably trying to survive those minutes against opposing backups or at the very least when an opposing team's entire starting five is not in the game. If they brought just really getting to brass tacks, if they brought in Obi Toppin with four minutes left in the first quarter on average and played him with Randall for those four minutes and then took Randall out at the end of the first quarter and brought him back in for Obi at roughly the six minute mark of the second quarter that would mean you they'd be playing together for the last four minutes of the first quarter i that's might be the best time 
to do that. But then you're playing Randall the whole first quarter. Which wound up happening a lot last year anyway. It did, but then towards the end of the season, they settled into more of a routine, and we saw Obi blossoming a bit more because he had that playing time. And again, I, I mean, and then you could say, well, give him more playing time and it'll work. But a lot of that time was not them together. It was them separate. So I, I guess yeah. the, big, the big thing for me, at least, is it's not so much not wanting to believe in OB. It's just there's, there are other areas of need and yeah. evaluating it. It's, it's, there's an easy reason for why you would move him. The, again, the odds that OB Toppin is going to become even a starter on a championship team, because this is what we're always talking about here. How the hell do we get to a championship? The odds that he's going to become a starter on a championship team are very low at this point, based on what we saw, um, you know, in, in his rookie year. But I just, again, to, to go to the analogy again, it's not about putting up the whole wall. It's about putting up one brick at a time. And even if his value appreciates next year to the point where he becomes more of a trade asset, if not, you know, one of the core components of your eventual, again, hopefully championship team. I, I think that could make a difference. And may, you know, the, the, maybe he doesn't even need eight minutes with Randall to make that happen. Maybe he needs an additional four minutes again. I, I don't, I don't know, but I think there is a world where it can happen. But again, if you think Sexton is the guy, if you really believe that, then you should, you should then go get him. Then go yeah, get him. I get it. I just, Looking at all of that, I think it's you could say the same about Sexton in that sense of like, well, his his value could increase to a greater point because he'll have similar, more higher usage than than Obi will, and he'll get significantly more minutes and all of that. But okay, I, I'm can we talk we about that. the poop emoji that I'm, lo- I'm looking at sure, for the right. last well, five minutes? So let me, let me go through this. This yeah. this is a lineup, or this is contextual data. This is from B-Ball Index. They're great. Um, so this is analyzing lineup basically lineups uh, and what was around a player. So if you see here, you know, it's 34th percentile for lineup talent, uh, 25th percentile for offensive talent, 47th percentile for defensive talent, uh, 29% for playmaking and 0% for, for spacing. That's really bad, right? We're talking about the Cavs. We're talking about the Cavs last year, right? Yes or no. Would you say that's all really bad? That like, yeah, if really this bad. is a team around you, that that's terrible. Yes, this is really bad. And that says quite a lot about your situation. It sounds, it sounds awful. Okay. So this is not the Cavs. This is RJ Barrett, his rookie year. Oh, wow. So you do. That's, me. I did. I did this on purpose. So that's the thing. If you want to look at then Colin Sexton and the Cavs um, in terms of the playmaking, they gave him a C minus around him 40th percentile okay that that zero percent or zero zeroth percentile i guess that was with rj and the poop emoji yeah uh, it's a nine percent ninth percentile and it's an f so okay. i guess my whole point here and, and what i've been thinking about is what if this really is just a good player on a bad team and, and he's putting up stats that look really good because the team around him is bad, but is he a reason why they're losing? Are the issues with him and his demeanor as a result of him being some sort of, you know, maniac who people hate playing with, or is it that he just kind of has high standards and he sees that other players don't have the same drive to win and that bothers him and it creates some sort of friction. Um, And I don't think we can know the answer, but I do know that reading up on him and, how he, you know, um, basically when he was in high school would work out really early in the morning and then work out with uh, 
for basketball and school and then practice after that. He did a lot. He puts a lot of reps in a lot of time and I'm wondering, okay, well, like the dedication's there. The intensity is certainly there. Is it just being channeled at the wrong place? Is this after all someone who, and, and I said this last week, I said the opposite last week uh, about how I don't necessarily buy the idea that it's Garland and Sexton not fitting. And I, I want to, you know, basically say I disagree with my past self. I think that actually when reviewing all of this, that was maybe not the right take. And, and uh, I've kind of changed my tune for that. So again, I think there, there's so many ways of looking at it and this is more um, basically it's, you know, like in terms of playmaking last year, Sexton graded out mostly in B pluses, A minuses and in A. Uh, and then there was one D minus and it was for role adjusted assist points per 75 possessions. And then you have perimeter shooting and the perimeter shooting is meh. It's, it's whatever. Um, but again, you have to hit, he still has three point shot making and creation where A minus and A respectively. So it's this mindset of, again, are you targeting the player who basically is not producing, you know, who, could those stats translate on a good team or is it just a bad team? Like you talked about his, um, how good he was when he shot, when he was unguarded. Uh, yeah. And you're right. He, he absolutely did. And the fact that he didn't shoot as well when guarded was a problem. But then if you also look at his rookie year, the numbers flipped and he was great when he was guarded and he was worse actually when he was unguarded. So, uh, and I think that goes in line with what you said before, which is that, Based on how you view Sexton, if you love him, then you can see the positives. If you don't like his game whatsoever or, or you have serious qualms about it, then you could find something that backs that up. I, so I think all of that is kind of contextual, but, but I do agree. I, I think when you have your opinion, it's easy to, to pick and choose for what you'd like. Um, all I want to say, and I think this will back up your, your argument, um, is two things, and they're, and they're related. Um, one, it, um, Sexton hardly played at all. When, when Sexton was on the court with Garland, and this goes to your point about you don't think it was an issue with, with Garland and Sexton together. When Sexton was on the court with Garland um, and Jared Allen, they were almost always out there with Isaac Okoro. Um, I'm very high on Isaac Okoro as a player. I think he may have ended up like third on my draft board by the time the draft came around last year. I was super, I was, I was high on him. Um, Isaac Okoro had a 47.6 effective field goal percentage this year. He had a 29, he shot 29% from three. Isaac Okoro, Isaac Okoro was not a good offensive player in, in league this year, nor should he be. He was a young rookie. Um, the fact that we never got to see the two of them play with anything close to a dynamic wing, let alone just a, a wing who's not dynamic, could just hit outside shots, um, I think is notable. Um, even with that being said, and here's the second thing, uh, cleaning the glass, if you put Sexton, Garland, Jared Allen, and Isaac Okoro, which, you know, as foursomes go in the NBA, the fine right okay so okoro not a great shooter jared allen maybe slightly better in league average center garland sexton we know what they are and you take out drummond and nance so you get a little bit more um speed playmaking versatility whatever you want to say at the four spot um those lineups last year were in 707 possessions um again not insignificant plus 3.8 um 109.1 on offense not not great um but you know it's about a third of the way um, or, or in the it's just in the bottom third of the league. Um, but 105.3 on defense, which is an excellent number. Um, 
I don't know. I, that's interesting to me. I, I know only I want to say is I hope someone, if the Knicks make this trade, I hope that entire front office with Tibbs is locked themselves in a room for a day or a weekend or whatever it takes and watches every single one of those possessions because I want them to know exactly like, okay, what does he look like when he has, you know, a, a cohesive unit around him that it's like, all right, this is our group. Let's get after it. So. Yeah. And the other thing that kind of hurt Sexton as well is that they, the Cavs would play two bigs together, both of whom were basically non-shooting. Like the fact that they put McGee and Drummond on the floor together at any point is absurd. Or and Allen and Drummond, which is right. a, like, a fair amount. Uh, just crazy to me. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, I, I feel like based on the supporting cast around him, it's easy to say, oh, well, he's a high usage guard. Is that going to drop? And the 24 points, which again, like it, it seems like I've seen 24 points per game so, written so many times that it's almost like, okay, find a new stat, please, guys. There are other ways of, of uh, figuring out why you want Sexton than just saying he scored 24 points, but it's also nothing to, um, to sneeze at. It's a, it's a very good stat. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So moving on, you know, I mean, sorry, real quick. I, everything you just said, I think more addresses my playmaking concerns than my, what he does off the ball concerns, which is good because I think if they traded for him, they're going to play him at the one and you want to believe in the playmaking to, to the point where you feel like you feel good about, okay, give him the ball top of the key. Let's see what we can do. That's, that's all. Yeah, and especially if you have a big initiator. I mean, you know, the, the teams that were rumored, right? And I, I don't buy the Lakers as being a – well, no, for Sexton, actually, I think it could, it could work. Yeah, you could come, um, yeah. But, you know, the Lakers, the Heat, the Knicks, all of those teams have big men who can pass really well and, and facilitate and, you know, sometimes even play like wings or in LeBron's case, he can play like a guard. So it's that sort of thing where I think he fits in, whereas he's not solely responsible – and, you know, maybe he is I, like when you see someone who's ninth in the NBA in drives per game yeah. and the Knicks this season were 10th. And I was looking back at it for years past. And I think the highest they were at was 14th one year uh, in total drives per game as a team. And in at least three or four of the other years, they were last 27th, 26th, um, might have even been five years where they were in the bottom five. So uh, clearly that one year shows what Tibbs appreciates in terms of a driving guard. It's also why Alfred Payton was most likely back. So 
having someone be able to do that, I think is, is crucial. And, but and we should also know uh, just very briefly that um, he was, as you said, ninth in, in drives per game. Um, Darius Garland um, was himself. Hold on. I'm just pulling it up right now. I believe he was right next to him. Uh, he was close by. Yeah, he was. He was. Oh, let me hold on. I'm on. I'm on playoffs. I hate that. What? Don't. I know they the revert NBA, automatically. Doesn't the NBA stats page know I don't care about playoff stats? <laughs> um, yeah, Darius Garland was literally next. He was tenth. Yeah. So if you if you account for the fact that Sexton. Um, what probably would have even gotten more opportunities to drive if he wasn't handing off a, a, a good portion of those over to Garland. You're talking about someone who maybe is like in the right situation, one of the literally the top drivers in the entire game. Exactly. So if you're not going to get Sexton, then who are you acquiring? Right. So we've talked about Chris Paul. I honestly think that I know that I'm a prisoner of the moment when I say this, but I think that these finals, the last few games could wind up costing Chris Paul some amount of money. I think that with the injuries he's dealing with, with his age, the fact that he's really not able to go left, that he's turning the ball over quite a bit, that he's not his usual self. Um, We could chalk it up to, oh, well, he's hurt. Whereas before when he was doing well, there was no like, in spite of his injuries, he's doing great. So it's it's not equal, uh, which I think is wrong, but whatever. In terms of Chris Paul, though, I think it could be losing him some money. Um, And I mean, granted, you could get Chris Paul, but I, what happens if they lose? If they lose the series, does Sarver say, you know what? I'm willing to pay because we want to run it back. We feel like we've got a great team and we can keep doing this. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Lowry is another option. Does he go somewhere else? Does he go to Miami? Does he go to, you know, is there a sign and trade that works out? How can they figure out how to do something? Um, Conley, I think, I still think Conley would stay. Uh, I think Conley would stay as well. You're looking at them being in the repeater tax, but you've got a multi-billionaire who is is a childhood jazz fan owning his favorite team. I think that he could say, this is our window. I'm willing to pay what it takes for the next couple of years to keep Donovan Mitchell happy, to to have our team the best in the NBA in the regular season, and Mike Conley stay. I think that's worth it to me, and I can see him doing that. And if you're listening and you're like, well, shut up, Jeremy. Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley. Not that anyone would say that to you, Jeremy. Oh, they might, but that's um, Mike Conley. These are all much better players than Colin Sexton. Well, that may be true. You're also thinking about it from two other perspectives. One, the cost, which as you just alluded to with Paul, but you could say the same thing about any of these players. They're not going to be cheap. And two, when you're thinking about other possible moves down the line, and I'm not advocating for signing a player just to trade him, but the notion that if you get the guy on the on a certain contract, he could become a trade chip um, is I'm not sure that would apply to, to Paul Lowry or Conley. If you're getting those guys, you're getting those guys because you're like, you know, we want them here. We think they're, they're part of the final solution. So. Right. And they're, you know, in their mid to early 30s. So how does that line up with what you're doing and all of that? Well, it's, uh, it's are you getting them at the, on the downside? I mean, it's, you're clearly getting all right. three of those guys on the downside of the career. The question is, are, how many feet away are they from the slippery slope that happens that every NBA player, every NBA player eventually falls off the slope. It's just a matter of how, how close are they? Exactly. Uh, then you have Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I mean, what is his price point going to be? I can't imagine he's one of the first dominoes to fall. What especially, is, I don't want to pay it. <laughs> right. I would rather not pay Dennis Schroeder either, even if his market 
moves down, like then you're looking at maybe a one-year deal. How, does his market really get to that point where it's that low? I don't think so. I'm skeptical. Uh, the Lakers the, offered him four for 80, he turned it down. Right, but yeah. his market has even dropped since then. So is anyone going to try to get there? Or if you're the Lakers and you say, okay, well, maybe we draft a, a guard in the first round. Is there any chance that he's better from day one than Dennis Schroeder? We save a ton of money because they're going to be in the luxury tax. They're not um, a wealthy. There's not the ownership isn't wealthy. I mean, for Christ's sake, they got a PPP loan. Like <laughs> they don't have money just growing on trees. So that's sort of mindset of it. Um, then you've got Dinwiddie, where we, you know we talked about him a little bit. Yeah, I, I want him for the right price, but the right price isn't going to line up with what he wants. So no. I don't see it as a go anyway. Dragic, again, you're similar situation to your older point guards. I think if he's not going to be in Miami, he probably goes to a place like uh, Dallas. I think there are a lot of connections there. The Slovenian connection. Uh, They just hired the former Suns head coach, whose name Igor. uh, Igor Kukashkov. Thank you. Yes, I couldn't remember his last name, Uh, but yes, him. The one caveat with Dragic is you could probably get Dragic on a one-year deal, maybe, possibly. I don't know if if you would want to come to New York on a one-year deal, which, again, that is another question that hovers over all of these guys. Do these players want to be here? Whereas if you believe what some of the rumors are, um, Colin Sexton would very much like to uh, come to New York and be a part of the Knicks. And how durable is Dragic going to be? I mean, he's had plantar fasciitis to my knowledge, um, or he's at least dealt with foot injuries. So he's an older point guard. Yeah. He's had had injuries. So then it's, you know, quickly Vildoza or Rose. Are you going to have any of those guys? You skipped over. uh, Oh, I did. Um, You skipped over Mr. Maybe that was was a a Freudian thing. I I think that was a Freudian thing. I do have Lonzo Ball on this list. Um, I think the big thing with Ball versus Sexton is the belief in Ball is him becoming a different player than we've seen. Whereas with Sexton, it's him basically doing what he's doing, but, but a little bit strengths better. are emphasized and yeah. his areas of development are, are mitigated. Like Lonzo. Oh, I hope he drives versus Sexton. He drives. I hope he does better around the rim. Like that's, that's pretty much it. Um, and Sexton's not terrible around the rim either. So um, no, he's not bad. He's not, he's, he's good. Given, right. given the volume, he's, I would actually say he's, he's quite good. Exactly. And ball is restricted free agent. None of the other players I just listed are that. Um, so, yes, quickly, Vildoza, Rose, I, you know, maybe quickly starts. I really just don't think it's, it's going to happen, it's not gonna at be. least not in year two. Um, Vildoza, I just think he's a really good rotation player. I don't know if he'd be trusted to lead the <laughs> offense. And even that, we don't, like, how can any of us, I know people are excited about Vildoza. He has some nice moves. How in God's name could any of us sit here and be like, Luca Vildoza is going to play XYZ role on this team next year? We don't know that. Like, like you it. can't, you cannot take what we're seeing and, and for, quite frankly, what we have seen in his games overseas um, and be like, oh, if he does that there, then he will do this here. Like, it, it doesn't work like that. It, that. That doesn't always translate. So, right. And I think the days of Derrick Rose being a legitimate starter are in the past. He was an emergency starter for the Knicks because no one else was going to be able to do what he did in the playoffs. But that, I think, is uh, not going to be his forte moving forward. Then there's a surprise trade candidate. I mean, it could be anyone, right? Who knows who it could be? Um, (laughs) It could be you. It could be me. I'm not under contract. I'm a free agent. But yes. Uh, And then the other option is a rookie. And I just don't see a rookie... Point guard starting, period. 
for the Knicks. It's not going to happen. Right. So now that we basically assessed the entire market outside of it, we can then move on to this. So you had done something about the players being drafted. Uh, I don't even know how to describe what I'm looking at right now, but keep going. Draft Express did a great thing while it was still in existence, and they basically figured out a way to track the outcomes of players taken from one to 60 for however many years you want. Yeah. So again, you'd already put this in your your newsletter, but I had already done this video. So I thought, screw it. I'm going to keep it in. That's fine. This is much easier to see than, than what I did. It is. So the, the dark green is for all-star. The starter is a lighter green. Yellow is backup. Orange is end of bench and red is didn't play in the NBA. And as, as you can imagine, um, for the first pick, there are a lot of all-stars and a lot of starters. And then as you go, you know, down the list, that number, those all-stars and starters shrink on average and the backups end of bench players and didn't play in the NBA rise exponentially. And for anybody so, just listening on the pod, it, basically what, what we're looking at on the YouTube right now is um, a chart where you have um, kind of an, in, um, upward uh, uh, something a line going up in a picture a line going up at a 45 degree angle where basically your your best players are that are taken at a certain spot decrease bit by bit by bit by bit as the shitty players taken at a certain spot increase bit by bit by bit the further you go down um, in the draft right so and if you're watching I mean this is the video basically you know if I start around 15 um, you're mostly going to find backups. Same with 16, 55% of the players, uh, 35% for 17, 42% for 18. So it keeps going up. I should, you know, some of it's a little outdated because draft express is no longer really a thing. ESPN acquired it. So it's some of these, you know, it's from 1985, 2015. It's the draft lottery. So again, not all of this is going to be covered, but you can just get a sense of the fact that you keep going up. You're going to find more rotation players but they're not going to be all-stars and they're not going to be starters. So this is basically the thought process of if I'm picking 19th, if I'm picking 21st, one of those, you know, can I live with seeing it gone? And if basically you're looking at statistically speaking, uh, one of those picks being, you know, most likely a backup player, then it's a, oh, okay. So I'm trading Kevin Knox, trading a backup player and I'm trading Obi Toppin. And then your decision becomes maybe a little bit easier in that mind. Yeah. Um, and I also just wonder well, there's neither here nor there. I wonder uh, how much, because again, we're, we're always prisoners of the moment, how much the result of these NBA finals um, will um, influence uh, teams thinking as far as this stuff is concerned. Um, for instance, if Milwaukee wins, they have their top three and then the rest of their, you know, um, roster is, is basically comprised of guys, not all making minimum salaries, but like you guys you could get. Right. You can, you know, maybe with the exception of Brooke Lopez, who is um, kind of a unique fit and they're paying him, I think, $12 million a year. But like even him, you could find a stretch five if, if that's what you need to make your system work. And he's not even I, I would argue that their best lineups do not have Brooke Lopez in them. So it's, you know, um, yeah. Agree. OK, keep going. So ah, I guess this can't. There we go. Oh, oh my God. Technical difficulties. OK, here we are. So. For Sexton, I mean, the idea as well is, is he a placeholder? Um, I have seen this process of like, oh, well, is Sexton going to be one of your best players? Can he be on a championship team? And for that, I just, I kind of laugh because I, you don't need Sexton to be a member of your championship team. 
Yeah. You just need Sexton to be good right now. And then you can do whatever you want after that. So just get someone in the building, get an asset, consolidate in that way. And if you're able to do that, then that's great. Yep. Um, he doesn't have to be your future point guard. Again, like just he's a stepping stone if you view him that way. And you can trade him. You can renounce him to sign a free agent. You could basically do the D'Angelo Russell process, which was, hey, we got a, a, you know, an all-star in the building. Look what we can do. And, oh, you know, we got two better players that we want. So thanks, Stilo. Uh, you're out of here. You <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Go right. have fun in Golden State. Yeah. And you do, yes. You have to pay Sexton soon. He's on an expiring contract, rookie scale. But so what? What like, can I can I ask you? Sure. Gun to your head. Mm-hmm. Let's assume let's assume they trade for him, and let's assume he has a good. Actually, no. I'm going to ask you two questions. One, if they trade for him, do you think they reach an extension before next season? Yes or no? No, but they sure as hell will try. So you and I'm assuming by the tenor of your answer that you think that's because Sexton's people will not agree to whatever the Knicks are offering at this time. Yes. Okay. Um, so two, let's assume he comes here, has a good good season, solid season, improves on the things he needs to improve on. Um, the team is good, whether that means they win a playoff round or even are in the top six, whatever. They're good. He's good. What do you think he gets? Well, so this is the beauty of it. And I'm skipping a bullet point for two bullet points. But really, I mean, his cap hold is $19 million. So if Sexton's going to get more than his cap hold, it doesn't real. I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it does, at least from potential you know, yeah. MLE and room exception, all that stuff. Um, but the mindset here is like, okay, well, if he's going to make $22 million a year, we can just keep him on his cap hold and do everything else. And the reason I was saying, I don't think that they'll be able to get the extension is I think the Knicks will say, Hey, let's try to lock him in for under his cap hold. Yes. So we can go yeah. into free agency with a little bit more spending abilities. I mean, I'd love to see Colin Sexton make $17 million in his first season instead of 19. That'd be great. Um, another factor uh, as well, and I was going to mention this somewhere, but might as well here. So you know how with the Dame trade, uh, I'd mentioned base year compensation with Mitchell Robinson and how basically if you wanted to sign and trade Mitch, it becomes a lot harder because his salary would count as 50%. Yep. Of, of what it is and outgoing. So similar would happen with Sexton. Like if you wanted to wait a year and then do that and try, maybe Dame's still a blazer and you want to then send them Sexton. He wants to be there. They want him and it works out. Uh, it would still be the same thing where his salary would be 50%. But what I believe could be different is if you wanted to say, get Bradley Beal, maybe even want to try to do both of those things. And you work out a trade where you do a double sign of trade. So Beal does his sign and trade and Sexton does his sign and trade. Both of them, you know, the salary is a little bit different and you're able to finagle it that way. So, but, but you can avoid all of that if you just lock Sexton under contract. You don't have to worry about BYC. You're just trading him. So that's, that's I think, another feature is having him under contract. There are no rules or stipulations or waiting periods for when you can deal him. It's very easy to do that. So I would love to see him sign to some sort of deal. Like even if it's $18 million, you're saving money and you're saving time. And that's actually what the Cavs were doing uh, when Brock Aller was there. They were signing guys to extensions, right? Like 
Larry Nance got an extension. Um, Kevin Love got an extension. Kevin Love got an extension. <laughs> Dante Exum got an extension. He did. All of these guys, they were saying, we'll pay you because we prefer to lock you in right now and we can just trade you and we don't have to worry about waiting periods or grace periods or anything. So that would be ideal. And and just, well, I agree with your overall point that the the fact that the extension is almost certainly, I, you're right, Sexton's people are, they honestly, they'd be stupid to accept anything starting at $19 million or less. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah, if you're a lead guard in New York and you're it's, 22 years old and you just scored 24 points a game, I know I just chastise people for saying that, but uh, but again, like, why would you sign for less? No, I mean, like, not quite apples to apples, but like Markel Fultz signed for, what was it, three for 50? Yeah, it was something in that ballpark. Yeah, so Markel Fultz had shown, you know, a, something close to a season of like maybe being a proficient starter, possibly if you squint and like use your imagination. And he's making $17 million a year. Colin Sexton is not going to accept $119 million a year. Um, and uh, the, the point that I wanted to make, though, is while I agree with you in theory that the actual number doesn't really matter, like he does become far less tradable, not far less tradable. He becomes less, obviously the more he gets paid, the less tradable he becomes. But by that same token, if you have to sign him to a contract starting at like $30 million a year, the assumption at that point will be that he came here and he probably blew expectations out of the water. So that's like a, that falls under the good problem to have um, category, which, you know, if the Knicks do this, hopefully that, that is their, their situation. Right. And that's why I didn't come here and do well. Exactly. And that's why I didn't want to say he, it doesn't matter because it does, you know, you don't want to just say, yeah, like, yeah. well, we'll give him whatever. Like that's how you get into a Delo situation. They, they did it so they could facilitate the trade, but also it wound up being too much. And they were man, they able, they were able to get him off the books and get Andrew Wiggins in, but Wiggins is still expensive and overpaid. So that sort of mindset. But um, again, it's like the idea then of Sexton for one year on his rookie contract. And then you have the rights versus getting a rookie and having him for four years and then his restricted free agency after that. Yep. Um, you know, like, but again, if it's going to be Sharif Cooper, the role is that, that Cooper has for those first two years or so is going to be vastly different from what Sexton would have this year, Extreme. the year after and, and beyond. So at least what you, you hope to be the case. It, um, it's just on that quickly on that point, if, if you drafted a Sharif Cooper, or if, if you're listening to this and, and Sharif Cooper isn't your cup of tea, pick pick whatever the guard is, right, that is going to be available to you at 19. Or even, you know what, let's go fucking nuts. Let's package 19, 21, and 32, and we're moving up. We're getting, um, I don't know, maybe you're a, a fan of um, of Davion Mitchell or, or someone. Whatever the rookie, the Knicks are going to be able to come away with this draft with. If he is at the point, in, I would even go so far as to say three years that Colin Sexton is at right now, you'd probably be pretty happy with that, which is to say he's a player that has shown a lot of promise. He has put numbers on the board. Maybe you're not 100% sure about them. The odds are that the Knicks are able to come away from this draft with a player that will, in three years, exceed where Colin Sexton is Sexton right now is – I'm not saying it's impossible, but like the the odds are against them. The odds are very, very, very low. And that's not my commentary on this draft. It's like 
yes, Donovan Mitchell happens at 13 once every however many years. It is, but the odds that you that it that this is the draft where that guy is going to be there at a spot like that, and that you're going to be the team that is smart enough to pick him is whatever your percentage chances is. It's not it's not that high. So, but I do think the one thing though with. Um, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you could talk about Walt Perrin and the connection there. Sure. But uh, for me, it's more like, I mean, look at what the jazz did, right? They traded from, I think 24 and Trey Lyles and managed yeah. to get 13. So if Obi's on the table and talks for Sexton, like, do you then package 19 and Obi to move up? Because that could get you further than I think that the jazz were able to move up for, for Donovan Mitchell, but it all depends on, on what teams and what prospects are available and how comfortable everyone is and all of that. Yeah. Every draft is different. They obviously, um, the nuggets valued, um, Trey Lyles, uh, turned out not to be, not to be the right move, but, uh, you know, such is life. So then again, it's like, well, who else is paying Sexton in 2022? A lot of things could change, but the landscape right now is really fascinating because there aren't going to be many teams with cap space uh, the biggest one will be Detroit, but assuming they go with Kate Cunningham and keep they Killian already Hayes, have Killian Hayes. Yeah. They may not even want Sexton. Um, so I think this concern of like, oh, well, where is he going to go? Sure, another team could absolutely try to lure him away, but restricted free agency, you have to bid more, and that's tough. And the Knicks have would have matching rights, so it's you know trying to get him away from that. Unless you really want to screw the Knicks over instead of doing your own thing and. I think teams typically would rather, unless you're, you know, the Nets back in the day when they had nothing to lose, uh, you're just going to focus on retaining your guys and getting unrestricted free agents than you are about targeting big RFAs who likely aren't even going to go to your team in the first place. And we also, by the way, we know what the market for Sexton is in a year because we see what apparently the market for Sexton is right now, which is that it's it's not very good. And if you're sitting here and you're listening to that, you'd be like, well, what if he comes out and has a great year? Again, that's a great problem to have because then you don't mind paying him. So right. this is why, you know, the, the, look, the NBA set things up this way for a reason. The team that has a rookie's rights is the team that is in a vastly advantageous position, um, whatever they want to do. So that's that. These are, again, there's a, a lot of pluses to doing this if you feel like he could be a good player for your team. So, I, again, I will acknowledge that. Exactly. And going over the cap, I mean, again, you have his cap hold. You can sign a player and then re-sign him. And the reason I say that is, let's say this trade is the one that goes down, right? So, basically, you're the Knicks and you traded Toppin and Knox and the 19th pick and you received Colin Sexton as a result. So, on draft night you actually have $13.5 million to spend, which is great. What do you mean by that? Sorry. So what I mean by that is. So this trade happens in this, so in this league year, in this league year. Yes. So it works. The math checks out. So Kevin Knox and Sexton have nearly identical salary because of the fact that they, they were back to back. Right. And then it should work out where, because of Obi's salary, uh, the rule based on, where these guys are, it's like, um, I should say this. There are, there are three different tiers for how trade matching can work. And this is the middle tier. This is like the above, I think, $3 million and up to like nineteen point five million. I think it's above it, it's six. Like five. Yeah, it, it's something in that range. So it could be six. Um, but or basically, five. I'll look it up. Yeah, sure. But you're, you're trading out Sexton for Obi and Knox. The range for that tier 
is $5 million. And that's yeah. within the tier. Which so, means you have to come within, the money you're sending out has to come within $5 million of the money you're getting back or vice versa. Right. And then you could talk about roster spots, but the Celtics just made a trade for Al Horford uh, and Moses Brown, and they have 16 players on their roster. But that's apparently fine. You just need to be at 15 eventually. So 6.5 million if the outgoing salary is more than 6.5 then the maximum salary incoming could be the outgoing plus 5 million right so this would fall under that correctly because with ob it's less than 5 million which is great so then it, it works out that way um but the fact of having 13.5 million dollars in cap space cap space is great because uh, it means that you can take in a non-expiring contract within that range uh, for draft compensation. And it, we'll, we'll go over more of that next week. This was originally going to be that conversation, no. so I don't want to spill the beans, but that gives you a lot of potential to do really interesting things. Uh, so, you know, it's like, okay, you traded away 19, but what if you're able to get another first-round pick by taking on some sort of mass salary? That That's... Not and, that option. Well, well, we're on this just before we move on very quickly because um, there was a there was a report on Twitter. There's a lot of reports on Twitter these days. One of them um, was that the Cavs want 19 and 21. Um, I, I would assume as opposed to Obi Toppin, if it was indeed 19 and 21 and Knox, that would not materially change this conversation. Correct? Uh, I'm sorry. If it was 19, 21 and Knox. Yes. Yeah. It would have. It would. Basically, be the Knicks would be around the same amount in spending, which would be close to nine million, and they would just give up the picks. The picks don't count as salary on draft night; it's after draft night, the new year. That's when they count for their capitals. For, for the record, I, I think I would rather do that. Nineteen and twenty-one and Knox. Yeah, then okay. Obi. Wow, you love Obi. You know, I like the kid. I really do. I really just very much really like him. That's I would I would personally prefer to do this trade and then take probably the best wing available uh, at 21 and then take whomever's best available. Or, or yeah, you know, I could take a, a guard as well. That's fine too. But prioritizing the best player there and then saying goodbye to Obi. Thank you. We love you. Have fun in Ohio don't, again. Don't listen. We could hear the condescension in your voice. Let him go. Listen, if I'm getting a better player, then I I can sleep well at night, and I'm sure Obi can too. He's a legend in Ohio. He's a Naismith Player of the Year in Ohio. So uh, Dayton will love him. Cleveland will love him. It's fine. But this is what it looks like. And then as you can see going into free agency, if you keep Rose's cap hold and eliminate everyone else's, uh, and also if you make Mitch not – if you keep him as a a player not making him a free agent, then – uh, you're looking at 45.7. That's again, if you keep Rose, if you don't keep Rose, you can open up $54.8 million. That's so a lot of money. It is. And that's the beauty of it. If you don't spend anything on draft night and you just let all that cap space kind of expire, then the value proposition here is, so let me get this straight. I have addressed my biggest area of concern in the backcourt yeah. uh, with Colin Sexton. Yeah. And I have more money to spend in free agency like that to me is a pretty compelling argument. I'm surprised streamers did not come down from your ceiling. As you said that it's <laughs> amazing stuff. Yes. So the big thing I'm sure people are curious about is, well, let's say nothing happens with this free agency class. What about the next season? And if you have Julius Randall's cap hold, if you have Mitch's cap hold from this past season, and if you have Sexton's cap hold, 
all of those things, um, it's a little different because this isn't incorporating the 2022 first round pick. So you're very close to what it would take to get a Bradley Beal, uh, but you're within your range to get a Zach Levine. Um, Side note, and this is a very nerd moment, but I just want to say, in terms of Randall, Spotrack has his contract as something different than this, which I don't get. He got two $945,000 bonuses. That's, yeah, we've talked about this. I know. So I'm just saying, again, because it, it, it impacts the cap hold and then the money that's there. So yeah. I, I don't know if that's right, if this is right, whatever. It's around the same, so it should be fine. And I think you could take well, a haircut if you are, like, if you need to of a, a couple hundred thousand dollars if you're Bradley Beal or something, but, but this is what it looks like. You have that max space. You're able to create everything you want. And you know, you'd have to maybe cut one or two corners, but you know, it's like, okay, Hey, Vildoza, we're going to non guarantee you, but instead we want to sign you to the room extension for the next room exception for the next two years. So you'd actually be getting more money. Thanks for doing us a solid. That sort of thing. And you also have the, the salary of the this year's twenty first pick in you in here. Like again, there's it's the NBA. When there's a will, there's a way. And um, if uh, they trade for Colin Sexton, and Colin Sexton is very good, and R.J. Barrett is very good, and Julius Randle continues to be very good, and Bradley Beal wants to come here and be very good and play for the Knicks with those aforementioned three players, um, you cut the corners you need to cut to make that happen. So. Right. And so I just want to say the rest of this presentation isn't actually going to be like the other five in that I listed players beforehand that would fit with Sexton. Um, there's so much money here that you can just use your imagination for how you want it. Uh, the, what's actually going to be next is two hypotheticals if this weren't the trade. Um, so, for example, if you did Colin Sexton and uh, Torian Prince, right? And this yeah. hasn't been reported, but it's this idea of, OK, well. So Prince is an expiring contract. Exactly. Um, the cabs are not a free agent destination, but it sounds like they want to clear some money or more money. And um, I'm sure that, you know, maybe who knows, maybe they're a part of uh, some sort of player for Lonzo Ball. I right? mean, is this I, is this where we have the <laughs> is this where we have the Kevin Love? Do we not discussion, but we, we, we should mention that Kevin Love. I don't know if anybody's been uh, keeping tabs on what he what happened with the Olympics. Uh, Kevin Love took his ball and went home because he can't play basketball effectively anymore. I, I don't really know what kinder way there is to say it other than that. There was a whole piece uh, that uh, someone, I think it was, uh, Chris Fedor wrote for cleveland.com basically detailing how this whole Olympic thing was a disaster. Love is not where he needs to be conditioning wise, health wise, anything wise. Um, you could argue that that contract is the biggest albatross in the league right now um, to the conversation, right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, yeah. at least with Russell Westbrook, you're getting, some sort of production out of him, for example. Yeah, you're getting a maybe thing. John. I'd say John Wall is probably worse, but it's up. It's up there. It's a top five. Yeah. Um, um, so but, anyway, that's the love situation. Um, it's it's been reported the Cavs would love to try to uh, use Sexton to get um, off Love's contract. Um, we could all agree we don't need to talk about the Knicks taking on Kevin Love's uh, fifty, whatever the hell million dollars remaining because they're not going to do that. Well, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but oh my. I did. I, I want to at least talk about it. So okay, we'll talk we'll about that. it. But for Sexton and Prince, I basically did the same trade, but adding Trey and Prince. And, you know, I'm sure you're probably thinking like, well, shouldn't that mitigate the package? And it, it absolutely could. I don't doubt that whatsoever. It's yeah. more the mindset of, let's say another team like the Heat decide to include Tyler Harrow in conversations instead. 
And okay. the Cavs are so into that. And they're like, yeah, this is great. Uh, Knicks, what can you do for us instead to top that? This would be using your cap space as an advantage. I, I don't see this happening, but I just thought, well, might as well throw but, it out there. But the um, reason I brought up love here, and we'll, obviously there's going to be a slide on love, is because, if again, if you're like, the Cavs aren't going to be free agent players. They have no incentive to get rid of Prince if they cannot find a taker for love and they don't want to have the salary that they otherwise would have with impending extensions for uh, Jared Allen, the whole thing. Like, yeah, they might want to get Prince off their books, even though he's an expiring contract. So I don't think this is actually that crazy. Right. That's it. So if you did that with Prince, um, you'd, you'd have $31.6 million left to spend. That's still a really good chunk of change. If you don't want to bring back Rose, then that's 40 million. I mean, that's essentially a 10 plus year max player. It's not going to be Kawhi, but again, like that, that mindset of if you needed something in that range, that's what you could do. And in terms of how it affects your future, I mean, it's pretty much the same because he's an expiring contract. So it works out perfectly well. It's and really Jordan just Prince isn't, He's not quite dead weight. I, I just also would say. Yeah, that. he's he's a quality rotation piece. I mean, I guess like. I mean, he's he had forty-one percent from from three yeah. with Cleveland last year. It's yeah, not, he, I mean, not he, again, he's overpaid. But if that's the cost of doing business between, like, if the Cavs really want to release salary and somehow the price of Sexton goes up and you're comfortable with that, then so be it. Yep. Um, but yeah. So then, last thing is we'll talk about. Uh, Sexton, Kevin Love. And this would basically be, okay, this is the 19th pick and Knox. OB stays. So there you go. And Sexton and Kevin Love. And it's just like, to me, it's it's awful. Like, I I hate it. Um, This is the worst thing ever. Right. So basically what you're saying is realistically speaking, because you're going to get rid of other players and their cap holds. Um, you're basically saying, cool, I'm willing to only have $20 million. I kept one of my picks. I kept Obi, and I get Kevin Love to, I guess, be a backup five, even though that's not really what he does. And now you have so many cooks in the kitchen at the four that it's just like, why am I even doing this? But the bigger thing here is it comes down to, unlike with Prince being an expiring free agent, Love is not. So now you are entering the last season that you would have to or last off season to spend all of your money. And realistically uh, it's probably closer to $5 million. Yeah. For, for 2022. Right. And, and, again, and that's not even in, in considering, you know, signing that 32nd overall pick this year, signing the 2022 first round pick. And when you get even closer to it, it's like, so we have nothing. There's, there's no reason to spend. And then the next year after that, you get into the RJ Barrett extension territory. Yeah. So when Kevin Love comes off your books, congratulations, you now have to pay someone again. So to me, it's just Kevin Love is a non-starter period. I want nothing to do with that. There's nothing like basically it would be the third pick overall that I would want from Kevin Love and the Cavs just are not going to do that. So. And like, yeah, there's always contingencies. Um, waving and stretching is a contingency. Having $9 million a year for the next three years on your books is a horrible fucking idea mm-hmm. um and you could be like oh well let's just attach a first and you know we'll, we'll get rid of love's uh, expiring contract that way again you don't want to be putting yourself in a situation where you have to where, like it's one thing to have to resort to a contingency plan 
if you have no choice, the Knicks have a choice right now. They don't have to take on Kevin Love's contract. This is just like this. Get off this idea. The Kevin Love that you remember from five years ago is gone. He's never coming back. He's he's he admitted as much. He's like, I'm not a I'm not a high usage, you know, like go to player anymore. Um, If he's saying that, then, you know, it's probably true. So in Kyle inclusion, like if that's the price for getting Colin Sexton, I really you can go for it. If it's Kevin Knox, the 19th pick, and Obi Toppin, it seems like a very worthwhile gamble to me. But again, I see the upside. I see what he's been able to do in Cleveland, and I think that it's, it's worthwhile. That's all. Uh, you're playing the odds. Basically, you're taking the, you know, kind of diversified assets and consolidating into one. And I think that Colin Sexton on his own is worth more moving forward than Knox, Toppin, and whoever's drafted the 19th pick. Um, and again, it's, it's a short-term solution if you want it to be short-term. It's long-term if you want it to be long-term. You have the leverage here. You have the ability to go after other players if you want. And if the cost of like, you know, let's say that Sexton doesn't wind up staying here long-term and it is a sign and trade, you're basically saying like, okay, well, Knox, Toppin, and that 19th pick, whoever was drafted there, that's the cost that I put in to help also get these other pieces um, or at least put those pieces in, you know, like let's say it is a sign and trade somewhere and, and you have to attach another first just because it's a great player or whatever. Point being, that's not a lot to give up and, and it's in the past you have upgraded, you're moving up that ladder to success. It's that stepping stone I talked about. I, I just, I see the, the risk of it, but I don't see it being a significant downside. Jeremy. I'm going to give you the best compliment that I think I've ever given you. What's that, John? I think you might have sold me. I think you might have sold me. It was a pleasure doing business with you, my friend. I, um, (laughs) finally, I'm still, listen, I'm still on the fence. I was, listen, I've I've always been pretty clear about this, that I've always been on the fence. I've never been like they trading for Sexton would be an asinine idea that has no merit. I've just always been a little bit on the, I don't want to do it. Now I think you've moved me over to the other side. Can I just very briefly tell you what I think this is going to come down to? I think it's going to come down to Kyle Lowry. And I think it's going to come down to whether Kyle Lowry wants to go to Miami. Um, Because I think if Kyle Lowry does not want to go to Miami and um, well, for one, that might make him a candidate to come to the Knicks. Um, I, if he does want to go to Miami, I think uh, you would make the argument that that probably takes Miami out of the Colin Sexton race. And um, I, I just don't see another team that is going to want to get in that race as much as the Knicks and the Heat. So if Lowry goes to the Heat, um, I have a feeling Colin Sexton, the, the chances of Colin Sexton ending up with Nick are, are higher than they, they otherwise would have been. Although I do think that there's a lot of posturing going on right now um, between these two teams and their camps and everything. It, it, it seems like after all this, like it seems like, well, you tweeted about this, right? Where you're like, how does this news leak that like the, the Knicks are have a hard on for for Sexton? It comes from obviously it didn't come from the Knicks. It came from the Cavs front office. Why would it come from the Cavs front office? Because they're trying to drum up a market. So yeah, yeah. And again, I think the one other thing is because of Sexton's contract situation. You know, you you could argue, okay, well, we're not selling high on Obi. We're selling lower because he could be something else. But you're also buying low on Sexton because of his contract. Are you going to be able to find someone who is this low of a cost 
and can also provide you with the other opportunities to build around him yeah. in the short term and long term. And I right. just, unless it's like a Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's going to cost way more than that. I don't see it. I just, I don't know where it is. Um, this was excellent. Um, I just got a knock that is telling me that uh, we're ending this podcast at, a, at an appropriate time. Um, listen, if they, again, I, I trust this front office. If they do it, I trust that they've done their homework and their legwork and they know the type of player they're getting. Um, so all that said, anything else from you, Jeremy? I think that's it. I think that's good. Yeah. We're so close to the draft and free agency. I'm getting excited. Um, I too am excited. I'm, 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 uh, one might say I'm titillated. Um, listen, it's sex, sexting, sexton. It's the sex conversation. Titillated. Andrew, Mr. Claudio. I just also would like to commend Jeremy because I feel smarter when he argues my point for me. And this was an incredible experience to watch him. Basically, oh, Andrew was right about this. Andrew was right about that. And I wait, did we? That's what we're going to conclude, actually, is that we were right. I'm going to hop on Jeremy. title of this podcast. I was Andrew right. Andrew was right. <laughs> What's going to be funny is when Sexton's all of his numbers go down, the Knicks miss the playoffs next year, and Obi Toppin averages 20 and 8 in Cleveland. And, you know, I then never can talk about me giving an opinion in the foreseeable future. And you know what happens? If that happens, then, Andrew, I was just trying to take your side because I believe in you. Thank you. Because I believe in the topic. And I then, just, you're, you're a good friend, and I want to see you thrive as well. And then Maybe. don't worry. So, I'll be know. I'll be coordinating cap or no cap 8.0 next offseason. Jeremy, <laughs> right. Jeremy, you are the Dame Lillard of this podcast. Andrew, you are the CJ McCollum of it. Hold on. The mellow. Come on. I get to be the mellow Fine. of this Great. podcast. You can be the mellow. I am the um, Anthony Simons of this podcast. Um, and on that note, um, we are done. Uh, Thank you, uh, Jeremy. This was amazing. Thank you, Andrew, of course. And uh, thank you out there for listening to another episode of the Next Film School podcast. As a reminder, if you've been living under a rock for the last week and you didn't hear the announcement that we have a Patreon, we have a Patreon. Um, just go to patreon.com, uh, put in Nick's Film School into the search bar. It will come up. You could also find a link to the Patreon and all of the different tiers that we are offering uh, at uh, several different price points, depending on what you are comfortable with. Um, you could find that link in literally below anything we do. If you're watching this on YouTube, look below you. If you're um, listening to this podcast on one of the many podcast apps, you could find the link there. You can find the link anywhere. It's very easy to find. And um, we're very excited about the Patreon. I think that's it. We're going to go. I will talk to you soon. Have a great week. Adios. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.